KMTT, Kimitsian Tetsei Torah. You are listening to the Arab Shabbat program. Arab Shabbat, Zain Adar Bet. Arab Shabbat, Pekodesh, Parashat, Vaikra, and Parashat, Zachor. And the Arab Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel. And I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Last Arab Shabbat program, we left off quite dramatically with the claim of Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Yossi, or at least the way we interpreted his claim, that Purim on a leap year, as this year, is celebrated in the first Adar because he denied the claim that there's any connection between the salvation of Purim and the redemption of Pesach, whereas Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, who claims that Adar Sheni is the time for Purim, says, Mismach Gula Gula Adif, we should juxtapose one redemption to the next. Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Yossi denies that we are discussing a redemption. This was a salvation. The Jews were saved from being destroyed, but they were not redeemed, because redeemed brings us to a new level, a new realization, brings us closer to our ultimate aim. Whereas in Mitzrayim, we might have been on a very low level and we were redeemed, but we were taken out of Mitzrayim on the way to going to Eretz Yisrael, on the way to getting the Torah. And here, in the miracle of Purim, we are living in Galut, and at the end of the miracle, we remain in Galut. There is no mass return to Eretz Yisrael as a result. And therefore, this is not a redemption, but a salvation. Just like any other salvation of any given smaller communities in diaspora or in Galut throughout the Jewish exile of 2,000 years outside of Eretz Yisrael, so too this is another story like that. The Jews were in danger and the Jews were saved even if the Jews in this instant include all the Jews in the world. They are the Jews, they are not Am Yisrael. And now we have to come back to Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel's opinion, Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel's opinion, who says, no, Purim is in Adar Sheni. And yes, Purim is in Adar Sheni because it is a redemption. And being a redemption, it should be juxtaposed to the redemption of Pesach. And then we have to come back and ask ourselves, why indeed is it a redemption? All the points that we made in favor of Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Yossi, that it's in Chutzar, it's for Jews who were integrating into Persian society. There was no movement back to Eretz Yisrael afterwards. Why is this a redemption? And in order to answer that question, we need to go to a different place in Hilchot Purim in order to come back to understand this. One of the most famous halachot in the laws of Purim is Chayav Inish Ben Haman An individual is obligated to get drunk on Purim until he comes to the point where he cannot distinguish between 
the cursed, the accursed Haman, and the blessed Mordechai. And without too much pilpulim or too much over analyzation here, the simple reading of the text seems to mean, and so is written in the Shulchan Aruch, that one must get drunk on Purim. Now there are those Rishonim who took were of the opinion that there is no obligation to get drunk on Purim. And there are those who lighten the meaning of this obligation by claiming that one could go to sleep, and by going to sleep one is fulfilling, not distinguishing between Haman and Mordechai, because one is asleep. And there are others who try to explain other explanations to avoid this conclusion that Chachamim are obligating us to get drunk on Purim. But as I said, the simple reading of the Gemara and of the Shulchan Aruch is that there is an obligation to get drunk on Purim. And then the question that we have to ask ourselves is, why? And what is the meaning of this? And and here we can go in one of two directions. The one classic yeshiva direction is to explain how by getting drunk one finds deeper places in oneself and and there's something very deep about finding yourself without having any reservations and that's an extremely high level that one can attain on Purim. However, the problem with this attitude is it seems to go against everything that we believe in and teach in the Torah all the time. Already in the Torah we have the prohibition against Kohanim who are involved in the highest levels of Avodat Hashem and the Beit HaMikdash to drink wine or liquor. Yain v'shechar al-teish itach Wine is out of place in the Beit HaMikdash. The Nazir, who's an individual who wants to come closer to God, is prohibited from partaking in wine, or any grape products for that matter. Wine will inhibit his coming closer to Abadat Hashem. In the Ramam in Halakha, we find that it's prohibited for a drug person to pray. And if he prays while he's drunk, his prayer is an abomination, a toiva. As well, it is prohibited for a Posek to give a psak halacha after partaking in drinking. It is not possible to say halachically that it is prohibited to drink or prohibited to get drunk, but it is very clear from the Torah, from the halacha, that being in a drunken state is not something that would bring one closer to God 
it is something when one who is trying to come closer to God is in a state of drunkenness, it is an abomination. And then if we throw in everything that we know today modernly about the dangers of alcohol and what it can do to our judgment and how it can endanger people's lives, we certainly get a clear picture that drinking is a very negative, very negative activity and certainly getting drunk. Maybe perhaps drinking wine without getting drunk is something par of, but drinking to a point which the halacha is demanding to get drunk is not something that is conducive to bringing us closer to Hashem and reaching higher levels of Avodat Hashem as at times we are led to believe by some other explanations as to the reason for getting drunk on Purim. And then we have to ask ourselves, so then why indeed do the Amoraim and the Gemara, does the Shulchan Arach, what is the reason behind this idea of getting drunk on Purim? If we come back to our story of the Megillah, and all the descriptions that we described about the miracle of Purim, that Am Yisrael is in Chutzlaretz, they are not even identified as Am Yisrael. They are identified as Yehudim, the Jews. Am Yisrael, the Jews, had a choice to go back to Eretz Yisrael in Shivat Zion in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. But for the most part, as it's painfully described in Sefer Akuzari, they chose not to. They chose not to give up their lives in Chutzlaretz, which were already established for a challenging, pioneering life in Eretz Yisrael. They chose to stay in Chutz Laaretz, and beyond staying in Chutz Laaretz, perhaps, as Chazal read certain issues into the Megillah, they chose to assimilate amongst the nations in Chutz Laaretz as well. And for all of these reasons, and especially adding to the fact that the Jewish people did not return to Eretz Yisrael as a result of the miracle of Purim, we already stated that Rabbi Lezer Barbiosi believes that this is not a redemption, this is a salvation. But Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel says this is a redemption. Davka, specifically because of all these factors against Am Yisrael, being in Chutz Laaretz, being assimilated, refusing to come back to Eretz Yisrael before and after the miracle. What we're describing here is Am Yisrael at its lowest level. And at this lowest level, God chooses to save Am Yisrael. And by doing this, displaying the eternal connection with Am Yisrael and the eternal love for Am Yisrael. A father's love for a child is not proven when he 
shows pride for his son's accomplishments and excellent deeds. A father's love is proven when the child keeps on waking him up in the middle of the night and the father patiently takes care of him though he's tired and he's aggravated. When a child doesn't do well in school, when a child misbehaves and the father still loves, is still kind, still hugs, still kisses that child. When Am Yisrael are acting their worst and God still hugs and kisses still takes care of Am Yisrael he is showing what is at the basis of our relationship is an eternal love an eternal connection and that sense Purim is a holiday of redemption a holiday of Geulah because if not for this relationship nothing happens with our relationship with God our relationship with God is one in which we make mistakes, which we fall far away from God. And if not for the eternal love, and if not for the eternal connection, then there is nothing. And therefore Purim digs even deeper than Pesach and says, even when Am Yisrael is not the lowest level, there is always love between Am Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or more precisely between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael. When we bring us back to getting drunk on Purim, then perhaps we're saying the same thing on an individual level. Even when a Jew gets drunk on Purim, even when they've put a barrier between themselves and God, the connection still exists, the connection still remains, and will always remain. And despite whatever failings and hardships and difficulties we have, and how far we may feel from God, there's always an opportunity for the relationship, the love never falters, and never fails. On that note, we will turn now to Rav Tavori. When Zayin Adar was the bir- is the birthday of Rav Moshe Feinstein, Yud Gimel Adar is the day of his yard site. Zayin Adar, the birthday of Moshe Rabbeinu, was the birthday of Reb Moshe Reb David, who lived, who was born in Belarusa in 1895. As was common in those days, he learned in various yeshivas, became friendly with some people who would later become Gedoli Hador in their respective yeshivas. For example, he learned together with Reb Aaron Cutler, with Reb Shach, and he had 
writings to them and a friendly relationship with them all his life. Of course, he was known as a Gon and an Eloi, which, when we talk about the great Rosh Yeshiva, the great Rabbanim, that statement almost goes without saying. It doesn't depict the personality of the person to show who he was. But, as is common, in a world of Gedolim, the word common is a little strange. Nevertheless, he became the Rav of Luban as a very young man. And his name spread as an important posek. In fact, he wrote Shuvos then, when he was very young, even before he was married, that later on were printed in his classic Svarim Igros Moshe, and became known as the classic work of the 20th century in the world of Psak, the Igros Moshe. While he was in Luban as the Rav, he got married, and he had children born in Europe. His two daughters, Zichonam Sifra passed away this year, the daughter of Rabbi, the wife of Rabbi Tendler, the daughter of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, and Fay, the Rebetzin of Rav Shizgal, a great Talmud of Rabbi, of Rabbi Moshe. His two sons, Rav Reuven and Rav David, are today known as the, among the leading Rabbanim of the United States. And you can certainly say that the family of Rav Moshe continued in his derech. He came to America in 1937. When he first came, it wasn't so easy for him to find a position. But he waited, was offered one position which he took for a short time, and eventually was offered to be the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva in the Lower East Side, known as Teferis Yerushalayim. The Yeshiva took him as a Rosh Yeshiva, where he remained all his life. His fame wasn't so much because he was the Rosh Yeshiva of Teferis Yerushalayim. His fame lay on the reputation of his Sfarim, the Igros Moshe, the Sefer of Chuvas, which encompassed all areas of Jewish law. He also wrote very, very extensively on Shi'urim Munshas. The Sfarim called Dibros Moshe, or many Mesechtas of Shas, have also been printed, but it seems they are somewhat overshadowed by the Igros Moshe, and the average today Torah library of any Tamit Chacham will include the Igros Moshe. The Igros Moshe will not be found so much in, the, in their homes, but the Lundis expressed in Dibras Moshe is unquestioned. It's just not one of the Svarim that seems to have become popular. The Igros Moshe overshadowed everything else that Rav Moshe did. Privately, he felt that Dibras Moshe was in, in a certain way even greater than his Igros. But as I said, the world was interested in the Psak of Rav Moshe, and he became known as the Posek, of United States, indeed the Posek of the world. Many, many other Gedolim deferred to him, asked him Shailas, when, for example, in Eretz Yisrael, it was known that when Shlomo Zalman wanted to discuss something, he would speak to Rav Moshe to discuss the Shaila. 
Reb Baron Cutler very often was there Shilas, and he used to send people to Reb Meisha. When a student in Lakewood wanted to get smicha, Reb Baron sent him to Reb Moshe. I was at the Levaya of Reb Moshe, who passed away on Yud Gimel Adar. 1986, and of course the Gdolim all spoke about him. They say that New York was the biggest Levaya ever held in Eretz Yisrael. It was certainly one of the biggest Levayas, and of course all the Gdolim spoke. And the one phrase that they really, really should have emphasized is Reb Moshe was Rabban Shalkobane Hagola. He was really the Rav of everyone. He was accepted by almost every single person. And his psakim affected life in America to an unbelievable degree. For example, the tshuva that he wrote about drinking milk of the companies rather than drinking only milk under Jewish hashgacha became a landmark in the psak of, of America. The point that Ramosha made and emphasized was that Government supervision is basically the same idea as Chalav Yisrael. His family told me that he himself only drank Chalav Yisrael. But in his own family, they served regular milk. The, the family used the milk of the companies that Reb Moshe has said is perfectly fine. He himself apparently only drank Chalav Yisrael. This is only one small example of the Psakim that range from the minutia of details about uh, tefillah to the issues that really in Hebrew we say which are world-encompassing, very, very deep, important questions. And the list of the questions that Reb Moshe answered and the issues that he took upon himself were remarkable in their scope and remarkable in, in his depth. He is today the subject of study, not only by the yeshiva world, but even the academic world, they study the underlying principles of Reb Moshe as psak. More than one doctorate has already been written about Reb Moshe and his attitude toward, toward psak. I had the privilege of spending a few days with Reb Moshe Feinstein in Los Angeles many years ago. In the books written about Reb Moshe, Art Scroll has published a biography, uh, Reb Moshe, The Life and Times, The Life and Ideals of Hagon Reb Moshe Feinstein by Reb Shimon Finkelman. And the book is complete with many, many stories about Reb Moshe Feinstein. I would like just to relate a few things that I saw in those days that I spoke, that I spent with him in Los Angeles. They made a great dinner in his honor. They had the entire community of Los Angeles turn out for the respect of Torah and Reb Moshe Feinstein. Los Angeles is a city that's used to celebrities, knows how to do the proper respect, to show the proper respect for stars. When Reb Moshe came to the airport of Los Angeles, so the mayor of Los Angeles came. They re- literally rolled out a red carpet for him. They had the photographers and newspapers. It was a big, big event. When Ramosha got off the plane, he turned to his friends who were accompanying him and said, who came in today? 
Who is this that they are greeting like this? When they said, uh, in your honor, he said, Ich will doch nicht. I, I don't want this. He tried to say that he'd like to go off an aside. He did not want to uh, enter in such a, a style of stars. So the people had to explain to him, Rabbi Moshe, it's not personal. It's nothing for you personal. It's only Kavaratayra. The We wanted to express the proper respect the person should have for Torah. But don't don't take it personally. Oh, then he felt that then he could do it because it, since it's, as it's not a personal thing, he, it, it wouldn't bother him at all as long as he realized there was an ulterior motive of Kavaratayra. He came a little bit late and he showed up at the house where he was supposed to stay. The family had prepared dinner for him. Let's say he was supposed to arrive at 6 o'clock and he was supposed to get to the house about 7, so they had dinner for him. And at 8.30, there was a, to be a meeting with some of the uh, Gvirim, some of the rich people of Los Angeles, who would come to, to talk to Rabbi Moshe and he would raise, try to raise money for his yeshiva. When he came, it was a little bit late and the people had already come. So, it was his dinner time. He had missed his dinner. And the people are there. So they insisted that Ramosha eat his dinner while the people sat there. So he agreed. He sat there. They served his dinner. And some of the people turned to him and said to him, we know that you're a misnagid. But we are Hasidim. Now Hasidim have a custom of eating shirayim. They have a custom of taking food from the plate of the Rebbe. And somehow they feel this raises the food to a higher level and they can eat some of that food and somehow attain some of the kedusha, some of the special level of their Rebbe. So they asked Rabbi Moshe if they would allow, be allowed to eat Shirayim. Rabbi Moshe said, excuse me, I have to think about it. He got up, he left the room, came back a few minutes later and said to them that if they so wish, it's their choice and they can do it. He himself felt there's no purpose, there's no point to eating Shirayim and he did not, you know, feel that he wants to give out shirayim, but he said, a person's own wishes could be respected as a sign of respect, and therefore, if you'd like to, have your shirayim. Later on that night, when all the people had left, the Rebetzin, who was the in the kitchen, came out and asked, why did Rev Moshe ask for permission to give away his food? Apparently, Rabbi Moshe thought that the food put in his plate was put for his consumption. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was his food. And therefore, he was willing to accede to the people's requests. But what is he technically allowed to? Was he allowed to give away the food that did not belong to him? So therefore, he asked the Rebetzin if indeed that was allowed in this case. The visit culminated in this big dinner that was held in a hotel in Los Angeles, and they invited, of course, the entire community, but one of the people that was invited was Rav Asher Zilberstein. At that time, Rav Asher Zilberstein was the oldest Rav in Los Angeles. He had been there many, many years. In fact, he was one of the pioneers in bringing Torah to Los Angeles. But And now at the end of his life, he was an old man. He lived in a community rather far from the new community of the, of Ju- of the Jewish center. And, to be honest, he was not as well respected as he should have been at that time. When he came to the dinner, he walked in the door. Nobody really paid any attention. Nobody stood up for him. 
except for Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe saw him. Rav Moshe was sitting at the dais. He saw Rav Moshe Zilberstein walk in. So Rav Moshe stood up. And of course, if Rav Moshe stood up, the entire community stood up. And then he insisted that Rav Zilberstein be seated at the dais. When Rav Moshe got up himself to speak, so as is the derech of Kavod, as is the want people do to show respect, people stood up for a second, Rav Moshe got up to speak, and they sat down. Everybody sat, went back to sit, except for Rav Zilberstein. He stood and would not sit down until Rav Moshe pointed to him and said to him, Rav Moshe, you can sit. This little story shows the respect of Tamiri Chachamim for each other, and it shows a little bit lesson in how we should respect Torah and have a little bit of Kavara Torah. I'd like to conclude with a word of Torah from Rav Moshe that really applies to this week's Parsha, but so much applies to the life of Rav Moshe that I feel is worth repeating. In the beginning of the Parsha, it says, Vayikra Moshe Vayidaber Hashem Yilav Me'or Moed Limor. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called to Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe. So Rashi pointed out the calling seems to have no meaning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called and spoke. Just explain what he spoke. Why does it say he called? And Rashi says, Before he got up to speak, before he got up to give the shir, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called Moshe and said, Moshe, as if he said, Moshe, come, let's learn. And that feeling of sharing, of saying Moshe, of calling you by name and letting you be involved in your learning is a Lashon Chiba. That shows a certain love that a Kaddish Baruch Hu demonstrated for Moshe at the time. Rashi continues, Yochel Hafsakos. Maybe even for Hafsakos, a Kaddish Baruch Hu said, Moshe, come, let's, let's recess now, let's have a break. So he says, no, Vayikra Vayedaber. The introduction that calling Moshe was only for the speech, but for the recess, for the Hafsaka, there's no Kriya Lashon Chiba. HaKadosh Baruch did not call him. And Rashi explains that there is a reason for the recesses. It's not just a waste of time. But nevertheless, the chiba, the love of HaKadosh Baruch was felt when the person could hear the shear from HaKadosh Baruch When Moshe learned with HaKadosh Baruch there's chiba, but not for the Hafsaka. So Rabbi Moshe said, and this is printed in another one of the Sfarim that I think was not written really by Rabbi Moshe, was written by his Talmudian, a sefer of Drush, of, of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, I think two volumes at least have come out. There's another sefer called Kol Ram that came out of Drush, it's a sefer Drush Moshe, Dorash Moshe, of, of Drush, of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. But in the sefer here, Rabbi Moshe said that a Rosh Hashiva's world is divided into two parts. One part is when he says Shir, when he learns, when he writes Shuvis, and the other part is when he is involved in all kinds of important things for the betterment of the yeshiva, for the betterment of the world, for the betterment of Torah. And these hafsakos, these recesses, are extremely important. So you would think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed his love for you both in the time of learning and in the time of recess. No. Rashi points out, everything is important. The recesses are important, the learning is important, but the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only felt when you have the opportunity to, to learn. I felt this was almost a cry from the heart of Reb Moshe. He was very much involved 
in raising money for his own yeshiva. He was very much involved in affairs that were important to American Jewry and to world Jewry. But he felt that his love, his, his feelings, Kaddish Baruch Hu's feelings toward him were expressed in giving him an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to teach, an op- opportunity to write Shuvis. This is the godless of Amosha Feinstein. Everything else he did, and the stories, as I said in the book, of art scrolls and other stories that you can find all over, are probably all true. But the greatness of emotions expressed certainly in Igros Moshe. Those Chuvos and his illustrious family are his legacy forever and ever. Igros Moshe will always be considered one of the main Sifrei Psak in the library of the Tamid Chacham. Thank you very much, Rav Tavori. Now, when we look to Purim quickly approaching us in a week from now, some of us may choose <coughs> those opinions of the Rishonim who unequivocally say do not get drunk on Purim. Some of us may choose to drink a little bit more than usual, perhaps to have a nap, perhaps not to have a nap, but not to get drunk. And others of us may choose to get drunk. If we do choose to get drunk, I think it's in the sense of modesty we should all realize that we're not reaching higher levels of Avodat Hashem. We are reaching the understanding that no matter how low we go, we can still be Oved Hashem, and we can still have a connection to God. And of course, beyond that, through this realization of maintaining a relationship with God, despite being drunk, despite being far away, we realize that the basis of our redemption and the basis for our existence as a nation with regard to God, with regard to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is that God's love for us is eternal, God's connection to us is eternal, and therefore, despite the hardships and despite the distance, the potential, the seed for redemption and Gula always remains and is always there. And that is the message of Purim. And with that, we hope and pray that we realize very soon this potential and we not only realize that potential by understanding that potential, but we realize that potential and give it and realize the real redemption, and not just the basis of the redemption as Purim is, but we realize the redemption in the sense of going back to Eretz Yisrael and being what we're supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael and realize the full potential of the Geulah. Shabbat Shalom and Purim Sameach.